0: Generations Church, good morning and welcome to our Sunday service. We're glad to have you. Um, Like always, invite a friend uh, to this live stream. Host a watch party if you can. And again, we're glad that you're here. Let us know that you're here uh, by typing in the comments who you're with. And uh, I will pray for us and we will get started. Father God, uh, this morning we come to you, um, I don't know, maybe a little confused, maybe a little worried uh, with, with everything that's going on, Lord. There's so much hurt, and, uh, Lord, we just want to acknowledge you. Lord, we want to look to you um, to heal all things, Lord, um, to bring to light uh, what needs to be brought to light, Lord, for justice, Lord. And uh, without justice, there is no peace, Um uh, so Father, we just we pray for all the heavy hearts this morning. Um, we pray for safety. And uh, Lord, would you just reign over all, Lord? You are still God. You are still sovereign. Lord, nothing changes that. We pray this in your name, Amen. Bless
1: the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, oh my soul, worship his holy name. We'll oh, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship your holy name. Sun comes up for my heart to find oh bless the Bless the Lord on my soul. Bless the
2: Well, good morning, Generations Church. We are glad you are joining us. Uh, we're here this morning, 10 a.m. You're live streaming wherever you are. Maybe it's on Facebook, maybe it's on Vimeo. Um, we are working on getting this on our homepage as well. You can check out genfamily.church and we should be live streaming to our homepage. I hope it's working this week. We're working on it for sure. A couple quick announcements or a couple normal things, and then we'll get to the big announcement for sure. Many of you already know what that is. Uh, But if you're joining us today, whether you call this church home or you're joining us as a guest, maybe for the first time, second time, third time, we're glad you're here and and we want to connect with you. You can download our church app. Many of you have already done that, whether or not you attended here before, The safer at home requirements, the coronavirus, all that stuff happened. If you haven't, there's a graphic on the screen that'll tell you how you can download our church app. Uh, That is, unfortunately, the wrong one. Uh, You can go to the App Store, Android, or Apple, and download. It says it's under Gen Family Church, uh, and you can download our church app. On there, you can connect with us. You can put in, uh, you can check in and let us know that you're here. Uh, Another way you can do that is if you're live streaming on Vimeo or Facebook. You can comment in the live stream so that we know you're joining us. If there's a whole family of you, let us know who's here. Uh, We want to connect with you. We want to know, and if you're a guest, please let us know you're a guest for the first time. Uh, We want to connect with you. We want to invite you to uh, Connecting Points, which we'll be doing next week uh, at about 1230. Uh, We'll be connecting with folks who are here, who are our guests for the first time. We want to tell you more about our church. We will do that online, not in person. Uh, If you're here and you, uh, if you're live streaming today and you attend regularly, checking in just helps us not only know that you're here and you're okay, but it also lets us know who might be missing. Maybe somebody is struggling, maybe somebody's struggling with depression or their health or something else in this crazy season right now. And so by you letting us know you're here, it helps us identify who's missing. and It's just a way of us caring for the church. If you download our church app, as you know, the check in is in the lower left hand side. There's places where you can find out about what is upcoming. There's places for you to give, to put in prayer requests, all those kind of things. Lastly, on that, as I welcome you, if you're joining us, if you're here for the first and second time, if you'd let us know you're a guest, you would like, we would love to follow up and send you a gift. We send you a book. I wrote a book. It's uh, now been two years since we put this out. We'd love to send it to, send it to you for free. Uh, we work through some passages of scripture, some questions that people were asking around that time, many of them that are relevant today. Uh, we also tell a little bit about my story and talk about the church. Might give you something to kind of ident- just really identify who we are and, and figure out if this is a church home for you. I'm going to set this down and go to kind of the bigger announcement, if you will. Uh, if you're on Facebook, if you're if you follow our Generations Family Church page, you probably already know this. I did a live video earlier in the week and just announced that we will be opening up in-person church starting next week. And so, here's what we're going to do. I just want to give you a little bit of information. Be on the lookout tomorrow or the next day for more full details. We'll probably do a video and an email just to give you some more details, but. Starting next Sunday, June 7th, we will be opening up for two services, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. During both services, we will have two in-person venues, one here in the main worship space and one in the cafe. We will divide those in the main sanctuary. You must wear a mask in order to be in here and be with the band and sing and be a part of that. We're going to require that you wear a mask here. Now, in the cafe, we're going to have tables and chairs, distanced, of course. And in there, we will provide an opportunity for no mask. You can come and choose how you want to do that. We'll have that overflow space in the cafe. So two separate venues, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We will live stream both services. Now, we know many of you are not ready to gather again yet. In fact, as I got ready to make the announcement this week, we got a call from a good friend of mine in the church another family contracted coronavirus. And so it's with mixed emotions. We desire to gather together. We want to meet together, be in person, worship together. We want to do some of those things. And as we start next week, it's kind of a modified version of those things. There won't be things we hand out. We won't have snacks. In fact, we won't have coffee. So please grab Starbucks or your favorite coffee place and come and bring that with you if you're coming. But please know we're going to continue to live stream. Because people just aren't all ready to gather together right now. And so knowing that, we're going to continue to embrace live Now, we've been live streaming for years. If you're a part of this church, you know that. Uh, this isn't a new invention based on coronavirus. This is something we've been doing. And so you don't have to attend. You don't have to be here in person. You can remain at home. You can live stream as always. Again, Facebook, Vimeo, even our homepage on our website. And so 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., there will be a distinction between the two services. We're trying to target the 9 a.m. service more towards families that don't have little kids, giving a place for our seniors and stuff to maybe feel safer to come where there are less children and things like that. Also, 11 a.m., we're targeting families with little kids. And our children's director, Brooke, is she going to be doing a children's message five, 10 minutes, kind of giving our kids a message in the 11 a.m. service. Again, we're going to live stream both. So if you, still, if you feel comfortable, more comfortable at home and you have little kids, participate in the 11 o'clock live stream. If you want to watch, if you're up, you want to get up for the 9 a.m., we're going to live stream both services. So more details to come, the things that we're doing, the safety precautions that we're taking, uh, temperatures and masks provided and, and hand sanitizer, all those things, more details to come. We will get that out to you early this week. But we wanted to make sure you knew, next week, not only will we not be live streaming at 10 a.m., we'll be live streaming at 9 and 11, but we will be open at 9 and 11. Two venues, worship and cafe, will both be open. Our nursing mom's room, that question has been asked, what if we have little ones? Uh, so all kids will be with their families. We won't have children's ministry, so if you have children, you bring them with you. They will sit with you in church or sit with you in the cafe. They must stay together as a family. Our nursing mom's room will be open. So if you have just a little one in there, just like always, we'll have that available for both services. Uh, things like restrooms and that, will, and the nursing mom's room and the, and the, the worship space, all that will get cleaned in between, but we will be opening up and we will continue to embrace live streaming. So if you're here today and you want to stay home or you want to show up, 9 11 next Sunday, two venues, two live streams, and we look forward to moving forward as a church as we get back to some sense of normalcy uh, as our culture begins to move back towards that. And let's just be honest, 2020 has gotten off with a bang in a lot of bad ways, um, from a lot of things happening in our culture to the, the very riots and, and uh, protests and recent deaths. So our, our year has started off Craziest start I can remember to the beginning of a year and so we're in a lot of different places as a church Even this morning as we gathered this morning just this small team and prayed There's a heaviness and so we're here. It makes church important to us We know the gospel is more important today than ever Some of you may want to come and enjoy that together. Some of you may want to enjoy that from your living room and we're just saying We care about both venues. We care about both live and in person. We care about both things what we care about most is that Jesus has proclaimed the gospel goes forward, and that you have a place to turn and find hope in this crazy season. And so I hope that you hear that, I hope you know that, uh, whether you're joining us for the first time or you've been here for years, we love you, and this is a place where we always turn for hope and for God's best for us. Will you join us as we worship again, sing another song in worship, and then we will be in Isaiah chapter 55 today. Turn your Bibles there, turn up your app, do whatever you're going to do, and let's continue to worship and then open God's words together.
1: Before the
0: throne of God above
1: I have a strong and perfect fleet great high priest whose name is love Whoever lives and pleads for me My name is graven on his hand Bit bid me, then steep hard, No tongue can bit bid me, then steep heart When Satan tempts me to despair When Satan tempts me to To despair And tells me of the guilt within Upward I look and see Him there Who made an end of all my sin Because the sinless Savior died My sinful soul is counted free God the justice is satisfied to look on him and pardon me to look on him and pardon me behold him there behold him there the risen lamb my perfect spotless righteousness the great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace, one with himself, one with himself, I cannot die. My sinful soul is by his blood, my life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and I, because the sinless Savior died because the sinless savior died my sinful soul is counted free for god the justice satisfied to look on him and pardon me
0: to look on him and pardon me father god again we come to you with heavy hearts Lord, just lift us up as we kind of navigate throughout this time. We pray for Pastor Jeff, Lord, and the word that he's about to give. Lord, with those with ears here, we pray this in your name. Amen. 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 Well,
2: Isaiah chapter 55 is where we're going to begin. And uh, let me just say this. Uh, probably most, if not all of us, are in a very... Um, Weird place. And, and, and again, saying that 2020 has begun with an unusual set of circumstances is an understatement. Uh, we have endured uh, all kinds of things. In fact, I can't even remember them all. It seems like the world changed in March with coronavirus and safer-at-home orders, quarantining and deaths and, and this constant news cycle chalking up cases, and deaths, and global things, and local things, and and, uh, of course, here, being in LA, uh, being a part of LA County, and uh, granted, we're on the edge of LA County, uh, but being here has been an ever-present reminder of one of the states with the higher case, you know, counts, uh, COVID cases here, and deaths here, and then, of course, in this state, being a gigantic state, Southern California housing most of it, and so we've We've felt that, we've, we've had that here very present. And then to have deaths that have taken place that have been National News, Ahmaud Arbery, uh, and then George Floyd. Uh, these things have become kind of the beginning, I know that we're almost halfway into the year, but the beginning of our year. And uh, I'm not one to jump on and, and really pick a side and, and you know, make a pronouncement of anything Um, I would rather sit back and watch and let details unfold and facts unfold. But as we all watched within the last week, uh, a man die on video, it changed us. It it changed our culture in a way, uh, in a unique way where everybody, almost everybody saw the same thing. And where typically, and this is still true today, typically where it divides people, and some people are immediately in this camp and others are immediately in this camp, and I've, I've said this a hundred times here, if you hear about something and you're immediately polarized by it, you, you show how deeply biased you are. As the facts come out, as the things come out, this George Floyd story has become worse and worse and worse and our culture, our cities. We live right here near one of the bigger cities in America. And as protests take place, and, and I wanna make a distinction, there have both been protests and riots and looting. And, and I, don't, I don't even see them being the same people 90 something percent of the time. I, I, they're different groups of people that are out for different reasons. But as we've seen protesting, we've seen, I watched LA last night, as it neared the eight o'clock curfew, and I watched as a group of people, mixed mixed-race people, mixed-age people for that matter, all with similar signs, all kneel down in a sign of solidarity, and just and 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 peacefully. I remember watching people calm them down. And then I went to bed and 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 LA burned again. And so that's I think a different group of people, but we're we're caught in between many different things. There's Many right now that are still, again, like I just said, good friend called this week from our church, a family I know and love closely with coronavirus. As we get ready to reopen, we're in that place of how do we get back to some sense of normalcy? Well, other families are just getting this. And then there's others. We still have the repeated deaths of despair, suicides, chronic depression, and we have that, and then, and then there's the economy, and people trying to get back to work, people trying to figure out how are they gonna pay for another, or another rent or another house payment, whatever they're doing, and then there's the deaths, and there's the, the, the sense of a lack of justice, And then, and then the cities get lit on fire. And so there's so much going on right now, it's hard to not be in multiple places in your heart. Now, if you're a part of Generations Church, if you've been here for any length of time, you know, I almost never leave our series that we're in for a one-off message or for something because of something that takes place outside of here. And today is no different. Today we stay in Isaiah. Today we're, we're moving forward. As I already said, we were in Isaiah 54 last week. We read a couple verses out of Isaiah 55. We're actually going to reread those and move on pretty much what we always do. But today we'll take on that sense of the things that are going on around us, at least some of them. The reason being is because God was speaking to the people, in this case, 2,700 years ago, written by a man roughly 2,800 years ago, speaking to the people about many of the same things. If God's people, be that, in this case, written to the people in Judah and Jerusalem, if God's people were called to something then, and, and it's repeated to us in Christ, and we are to live in a specific way, it was true almost three millennia ago, true two millennia ago, and true today, and yet it's a recurring problem, it might be built into the sinful natures of our culture, of our community, of humanity. So all that to say this, let me give, uh, I had notes going one direction and we tweaked them a little bit for this morning, just based on what we're all going through. But let me give a, a, a main idea or a starting point. A life of faith is a new life entirely. Many people simply add Christianity to whatever prior beliefs and actions they had, thinking that adding a bit of Jesus is what is necessary. God calls us to reorient everything to him. Nothing remains the same. God becomes king. Many of us add a little bit of Jesus to what we were already doing. That's that's kind of a common Western American, local, cultural way that people come to faith, they add something to who they already were. Maybe they give up some things that were overtly sinful and wrong, but everybody knew they were wrong before that. And rather, they kind of sprinkle a little Jesus on their life, and maybe that comes with some new things like going to church or joining a small group, but really many of their actions and beliefs stay the same. And as we see faith, as we see scripture, as we see the calling of Christ on our lives, everything must change. Nothing stays the same. And maybe that's a good place for us to begin this morning. And so let's pray and we will dive into Isaiah 55. God, as we gather this morning, uh, I pray that you would help all of us, Lord. Help all of us as we gather this morning to worship you and to proclaim your gospel your good news over humanity let us also realize our world needs this message this morning it needs good news people are divided lord are and we've been saying this god for at least a decade that we have never been more divided in our nation and of course none of us were alive for the civil war but it it feels that divided sometimes and around some similar issues, Lord. Lord, we're still in a place of brokenness here locally. And for most of us, this is all we know. We, we don't really know what it feels like to be a Christian in Asia or Africa. Lord, we know this. Being a Christian in America. Help us, Lord, as we struggle through the variety of problems we have going on in our world right now. The variety of things that are overwhelming. A pandemic an economy collapse, uh, struggles throughout the entire nation with protests and riots and deaths. God, help us. As your people, we should be different somehow, some way. We should be able to see these things taking place, and we should respond differently than the people that don't follow you that live next door to us or across the street or even in our own home. God, help us to be a people that are different. That's what you call us to be. Help us to figure out that difference and that distinction by really opening our hearts up to your word, God. And we pray that your spirit would speak loudly to us today. Jesus, it is because you lived and you died and you rose again that we are here and we gather in your name. And so it's in your name we pray. Amen. Isaiah 55, we're going to start with verse 1. It says this, this is where we left off last week, right? Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. So here's where we were. Come, everyone who thirsts, right? Come to the water. Come and buy and eat with no money. Come, buy wine, buy milk. Come, right? There's this call of God to all of humanity, come, Anyone who thirsts, you may come. Anyone who is hungry, you may come. Anyone who desires more, God says, come. Come to me. All are welcome. All are invited. I want to pick up this morning as we left off there last week with this generous and benevolent and gracious and overwhelming calling to anyone, anyone in need, which is all of us, but so anyone and everyone to come to God. That God has through a Savior provided a path to him. Provided reconciliation and restoration, forgiveness and redemption that God has paved that way back to him. And so God extends that call to the ends of the earth, to the far reaches of the world, and he says, Come, anyone, come. No charge, no cost, come. I will provide for you. Now this morning we have to ask, well, what does that mean to come to God? What does that mean if we are to come And to participate in what God provides for us. What is that call on us? What are we to do? So here's God's clear calling according to these passages we're in. God's salvation is complete, leaving us needing nothing. Our entire being is provided for by God. Food, water, wine, and milk, all given for free. Our images, Isaiah uses the author to convey our needs completely fulfilled in Christ. And make no mistake, because this was written, seven, well, it was written 800 years before Christ entered into human history, and this is to a people roughly 100 years later, as the scrolls of Isaiah have been opened up to them, as they're being delivered out of Babylon and returning back to their home, They're giving, they're going back into, in fact, to use today's language, they're finding some new sense of normalcy in their life, things that they'd had in the past. As this is taking place, God is again proclaiming His promises to come in Christ and saying, in Christ you come. Whether it's in Christ, anticipating Christ would come. Whether it's it's in Christ, meaning you lived with Him, walked with Him, ate with Him. You lived during the life of Jesus and you saw Him live and die and, and raised from the dead. Or whether you live in faith that that already happened and we await His eternal return no matter where it is in the scope of history, the call of God is the same. Come because of Jesus. Come because of the gospel. Come because God has provided a road back to him. The gospel is that God created us and loves us and has called us into worship. That God has called us to be worshipers of his. That means our lives give him glory. That's what that means. And we say that all the time. We don't necessarily unpack what that means for us that everything we do is to bring glory to God. Again, today with our culture being so in disarray, does what we do bring glory to God? Does what we say on social media, does how we act around other people, people that disagree with us, people that are not acting in ways that glorify God, do our lives glorify God? And when they don't, we call that sin. That you and I, we sin, that we all sin, that we've inherited sin and we've added to the problem of sin and we're the reason the world is broken because of our sin. We don't just point beyond ourselves or point, point beyond the four walls of the church, which seem to be super irrelevant today, but we don't point beyond us to the problem. We say we, we are the problem. We are the ones that know what God is calling us to and yet we still fall short. We are the ones that believe that God sacrificed his only son for us who lived a sinless life and died my death, death I deserve, that he didn't, your death, that he was laid in a grave for you, for me, to cover our sin, that he was resurrected to give us new life, that he has ascended back to heaven, poured out his spirit upon us, and said, go and live for me, be witnesses of mine. It's us who know that, who are more responsible. Is the world in sin? Yes. But God is more worried about getting Jesus to them and reminding us that we know better, that in Christ we are to be better, and that in Christ we are to live in a distinct way so that the people outside who don't have a faith in Jesus so that they would see Jesus. What are we being called to? We're being called to something different. We're being called to live distinctly, that everything we need, per this verse, has been given to us in Christ the food and the water and the milk, and the, it's all meant to provide an idea that everything we need is fulfilled in Christ. Everything we need for this life has been given to us completely in Christ. That's the gospel. What we do with the gospel is our response to it. How we live our lives knowing that is our response to it. How will we respond to the gospel Today. Verse 2, here's what God says. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Let me modernize that question. If you are complete in Christ, if Jesus has given you everything you need for this life, if you truly believe that, why do you, why do I, spend so much time trying to find joy and fulfillment somewhere else? Why do we give ourselves to so many other things, even good things, even things God created, but they're not God? Why do we spend so much of our life, our energy, our time, our money, pursuing satisfaction in other things that are not Jesus? Here's a note for you. Time, energy, money. God offers us the very simple question, if God will give us everything we need in this life, why are we still working so hard to add to it? Why do we fight so hard for things in this world that cannot satisfy us? There's some examples, politics, money, self. I've seen a lot of self. I have this, I've I've heard a lot of Christians just bang the drum of self throughout these last couple, three months. I've seen a lot of Christians overwhelmingly invested in politics, both sides, both sides. I've seen Christians just so enveloped in things that are of this world that can never satisfy us, that can never complete us, that can never answer our questions. Politics will never solve our problem in this nation. It must come from something else. Jesus would make the claim it must come from Him. That it cannot come from voting in the next imperfect person. That it cannot be from the right imperfect party. We can never legislate morality or faith. It must come from Jesus inside of us. Why then do we give ourselves to so many things that can never satisfy us? God says this, listen diligently to me. God is willing to teach us a better way. Verse 3. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. I love this line and this passage probably more than the whole rest of it. Just I love the language. And it's not that the rest isn't so important. But when I think about my week, when I think about my day, when I wake up this morning and when everything is set for church and I'm getting ready and I'm eating some cereal and I turn on the news and I hear the stories, here's the verse I need to hear. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. That I need God so much, so because so deep inside of me, everything longs for something better. That there's so much broken in the world right now that my soul aches. My soul aches for the people that I know that I have lost to suicide throughout this, this staying at home, this economy broken, this time of viral problems. Literal virus, not online my heart breaks for the families of people that lose loved ones. My heart breaks for the police department who goes out there and is attacked for something that happens somewhere else. And I know, I get it. I get the systemic issues. I get the things we're talking about, but my heart breaks. And, and if, if you're a follower of Jesus and your heart doesn't break when you see a man die on video, that, man, something's wrong with your heart. And if you see people destroying other people's businesses and and attacking people that didn't do it, if you see that and you're not moved, something's wrong. And maybe the something wrong is that we're so enculturated, they're so embedded in this culture that we're so divided and we're so team-driven that we just don't see the pain of someone else. Maybe something's wrong. Jesus didn't come to defend a political party. Jesus came to reconcile a broken, sinful, wicked, and evil people to a holy and just God. We have to wrap our heads around them. We have to get our hearts into that place. Second half of verse 3 says this, And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love of David. David is this reminder that God at one point set up a nation that was supposed to worship him. And and for a season, through a very broken man, it did. Through King David, God set up a nation that grew to be a worshipful nation. Not perfect, sinful indeed. David, all kinds of sin, all kinds of problems, but but really ends up giving a life that, that honors God. That God so much so says that David is a friend of God. Let those words be said of you and I, somehow, some way, sometime. That gospel promised through David that through him, through his lineage, that, that the promised Savior would come, the very Savior that, that Isaiah is proclaiming, the very Savior that God proclaimed all the way back in Genesis 3. That through that line, that David would not just be a good leader that shows how God's favor is shined upon a people that worship him, but he would be a foreshadowing of a truer and greater king in Jesus. That God would ultimately fulfill his promises in Christ. Ephesians says this, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his promise, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. As we get this passage about the gospel, about what God is and was and will be doing through Jesus in us. We get this idea of completion of a mystery. That mystery, if you read through the New Testament, the mystery of the gospel, which repeated over and over again. As you read like the line or the before or after, it, you'll find out is that both Jew and Gentile were reconciled to God. Something that got lost by a nation of people who thought they were God's people and everybody else was not. That the mystery is that God and the gospel of Jesus Christ poured out for the whole world. That's the mystery being fulfilled. And as God says this, that according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, he is a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things on earth, to unite all things to him. That if we were all united to God, I can't imagine there's a way where we're all united to God where we're not unified somehow. I can't see us all being united to the same God without us all getting on the same page. The problem is we try and make God condescend to us instead of us rising up to the holiness of God. And again, sin is the present problem. Sin is the ever present problem that we are all still sinful and broken. Paul wrestles with that in Romans 7, like, why do I not do the things I want to do? Why do I always do the things I don't want to do? Like, it's not me. It's sin that lives in me. We, We have this issue. We have this problem in our lives. We have this ever-present problem of sin until Jesus returns and this body goes away. But as we draw nearer and nearer to Jesus, as we draw nearer to nearer through his redemption to God, we should become more and more unified. There's no way that doesn't work. And yet our world doesn't, doesn't show that. Even the church, the people of God don't show that. Verse 4, behold, I made him a witness to the peoples. This is David. I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of the peoples. So here's where God has been speaking to us so far. One, God has provided us everything we need in Christ. Two, we spend a lot of effort trying to add to that only to find ourselves dissatisfied. Three, God calls us to listen to him and be transformed by him. And then God reminds us, verse four, I mean, the point 4 in verse 4, that God has kept his promises. God kept his promises to David and brought us Jesus. God has kept his promises all along so that you and I can know today that when God says, do this, and this is right, that I will do this, that I will reconcile all things to myself, we know we can trust God's word because he's proved it time and time again. So he says this, behold, I made him, meaning David, a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. As we talk about him, David, God is reminding us of, the, of an image. So you gotta, you've got to place Isaiah in its history. Isaiah is after the reign of David, and it's before Jesus enters into human history. So David and the nation that he was king over were the best example of what people who follow God should look like, that there was a time under David's leadership and the nation Israel was on track. And of course, the book of Isaiah would let us know that those people had gotten off track and God is calling them back. After that takes place, we get Jesus, the better and perfect, true image of what God has called us to do, to look, to be like, to act like, to speak like, because God became flesh in Jesus. But prior to that, David was the human example. Israel was the national human example of what the people of God should somewhat look like. So God points back to that. If you're a note taker, here it is, an example to others. King David was a human example of faith and promise. God promised to provide, called him to lead differently than the world around him, called him to lead Israel differently than the world, the nations, the people around them. God in turn made Israel a rich and powerful nation. How might we learn from that today? And I don't mean in a national kind of U.S., America kind of way. I mean, as the people of God, how might we learn from that today? How might we see that when we live differently than the people around us, whether they live in our house, in our neighborhood, in our city, in our state, when we live differently and God blesses that, why can't we learn from that today? Why can't we find that the same thing is true today as it's ever been? That the call is to be distinct. The call is to be different. The call is to live other than the world around us. Live according to God's call in our life. And when we do that, that God God blesses that. And maybe that blessing comes in us being a witness to those around us and being change agents in the community that we live in. Maybe that's the blessing. That maybe we get to make an impact because we live differently. Verse 5. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know. This is, again, the you here is David. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. How we know that sentence is is not just about Jesus is because Jesus is included in it. This is about David. This is about the human way you live while on this earth, this broken planet. This is how you live in faith to God. He says this, You shall call a nation that you do not know, the rest of the people. A nation that you did not know shall run to you. They will run to you. Because of the Lord your God, God the Father, proper, and the Holy One of Israel, Jesus, God the Son, to come, our Savior. For He, God, has glorified you. Here is the first response God is teaching people. 2,700 years ago, again reiterated 2,000 years ago, and we need to hear it today, is that there needs to be a distinction between us and the world around us. And here's the first distinction, that we need to be a safe place for outsiders. It's not just about us. Here's what he told David. You will call a nation that is not your nation to be your people, and other nations shall run to you because of God, because of Jesus, because of how you live. You will be a place that the weak can come to. Here's a note for you. David and Israel were blessed to be a blessing. I use that language because of the language given to Abraham. As God calls Abraham in Genesis 12, you can fact check me, Genesis, somewhere around there, that I will bless you and you will be a blessing, that God blesses us, not just to dead into us, but that we will bless others, that God has a purpose for us. So I use that language a lot. David and Israel, blessed to be a blessing. The nation built up was to be a place where outsiders could feel safe and those who were weak could be cared for. Today, we have made marginalized people a political statement, and people who are vulnerable are not always safe. This isn't a political issue. This is people. This is a people issue, and I say that on both sides. George Floyd, not a political issue. He's a person, was a person. And the police with bottles getting thrown at him last night are not a political issue. They're people. These are people. If you can't see these two things and your heart break for people, then our hearts need to be softened. Should break for both of them, even if you have a political position. That should come secondary to people. If you see shops being burnt to the ground of people, some of them who were just getting ready to open up for the weekend their first time after being shut for two and a half months, our hearts should break for people. We should see belong beyond the political two-team system and see people. God could care less about the teams. He wants us to be people that live differently than everybody else so that we will draw people to him. Our hearts have got to change. Verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he was near. Remember, God calls those to, who follow him to seek him, right? We hear this, seek the Lord while he may be found. We make it sound like, oh, we're supposed to go tell others about Jesus. To, hey, seek the Lord. No, you, me, people of faith are to seek the Lord while he may be found. God is speaking to his people through his leader. That's who he's talking to. Today he's talking to us, not everybody else. We change first. We lay down our biases, we lay down our political parties, we lay down our humanness, and we lay down our sin first so that the world around us can see Jesus clearly. Isaiah, way back in the first chapter of Isaiah, says this, when you spread out your hands, this is God speaking, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen, your hands are full of blood. Let me pause there, we'll leave that verse on the screen. I want you to hear this. Christians, I want you to hear this. Those of you who identify yourself as followers of Jesus, hear this. When God says to his people, I'm going to stop listening to your prayers because your hands are full of blood. And again, I say that really to everyone, not one political persuasion, not one color, not one geopolitical position or socioeconomic position, to all of us. When this continues, blood's on all our hands. How does God not look at us and say, when you spread out your hands and you make many prayers, I will not listen? Do we want that to be said of us? Church, are we at risk of God saying, I don't want to hear your prayers anymore? He goes on, he says, listen, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Seek justice. Care for the oppressed. Love the weak. Seek something better. But he begins with, lay down your evil. Lay down your evil. Even if we didn't do any of the things we're talking about, if we're not a part of the solution, maybe we're just another part of the problem. And let me go further. As I watch, as everybody posts online, I watch them pick a team. And many of you, this, this one, I think George Floyd has been different. I think there's been a different response. It seems like a more unified response. And, and God help us, that's what we need. But typically, there's a, a positioning of, t- of, of two postures, whether it be a Maud Arbery or, or anybody before that that there's these two teams competing against each other, and if you vote this way, you're on this team. You can't see the issue for the issue. You can't see a loss of life for a loss of life. You can't see the response as violence begetting violence. We can't see past the teams. God says, lay down your evil. You're picking a team over me and what I say is true. And again, I say this to all of us, on both sides of the political, on all sides, Of the political aisle. Verse 7, God says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. This is how the Bible describes us, humanity, apart from Christ. We have a unique way, though, as a church in dealing with this. We tend to treat this to adding a little Jesus to whatever our life is. If, if our life is about, you know, we've been sleeping with our girlfriend, then we add a little Jesus and maybe we stop. If our, if our life is about stealing or addiction or whatever, we, we add a little Jesus, we stop doing some of the big things, and then we stay the same. God says, repent of your wickedness. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Remember, we are the wicked. Unfortunately, we, we tend to see ourselves as inherently good. As the next door neighbor, as us, as all of us apart from Christ, even well, kind of good people. What the Bible would say is that we're inherently evil. Here's just three quick selections. Genesis 6 says this, "...the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually." One other translation says only evil all the time. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. A few verses later it says, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And you might say, yeah, that was before the flood and that was, it was really bad then. Really, if you read those sins, it's the same thing we have going on. And if you fast forward to the gospels, God also says, just like in the days of Noah, that's what we look like today. That's what the sin of the world looks like. So fast forward, go to Paul in Romans 3, and he says this, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one, no one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless, no one does good, no, not one. Paul goes on, it gets worse. He actually compiles, I think it's 27 passages from the Old Testament into one little rant on how evil in our hearts we are, how evil in our hearts, how far from God, how wicked we are apart from Christ. So God is calling us, people of faith, us to return, us to repent. He says, let the wicked forsake his ways, verse seven again, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him, that he will abundantly pardon. God is not about just adding a little bit of Jesus to our already fairly decent lives, but reorient everything about us, turning us towards God. Here's a note for you, depravity and grace. Apart from God, we are completely depraved. No part of us, body, soul, or spirit is uncorrupted by sin. By God's grace, the gospel rebuilds our whole selves in Christ. And we contribute nothing but our own submission by faith. Our whole bodies, the doctrine of total depravity. our whole bodies, body, soul, spirit, are corrupt by sin. No, they're not as bad as they could be, or we'd all be psychopaths. We'd all be off the deep end, but they are all corrupted. None of us have that inherent, well, this place is still good. It's not. It's corrupted by sin. God says so. Look around the world. We see it. Verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. If you're doing rooted with us, and about half of you are, there's about 107 people, I don't know if that's half, but there's probably a little less than half, are doing rooted. And one of the things that it's talked to that we've gone through this this 10-week study, we're nearing the end of it, is it told us to pray and ask God to reveal our sin to us. And when we tend towards confession, what we normally do is we confess the things that are on our mind. Now think like Psalm 51 where it says to to search me and know me, right? Show me if there's any unclean way in me, right? As we ask God, what are the sins revealed in our heart? The reason we do that, the reason Rooted focuses on that, the reason the Bible focuses on that is because God wants to reveal us things that we are so culturally numb to we don't even see. And that the sins inside of us that maybe God wants to bring out and work on sometimes will never be seen unless God shows them to us. And how will we ever show them if we don't ask? And, and how will we hear when we've got our ears covered or surrounded by the noise of the culture we live in? Let God show. There's, here's a note for you. Cultural versus biblical. 2020 has revealed how many of us are more deeply defined by culture than by Christ. We want our rights, but God wants our obedience. We're polarized by violence, and God is calling us to seek justice for the oppressed. Those can't be political statements. Those must be statements found in the gospel. Those must be the things we see in Jesus that should be seen in our lives. Verse ten: For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so my word, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God reminds us that repentance leads to joy and provision and blessing. And he reminds us that his justice will also take place. His judgment will also take place. His word will come true. Verse 12, for you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar, shall come up the myrtle and she'll make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. God always calls out, no matter how deep the call, or no matter how harsh the pointing to the sin in our lives is, God always circles back to a reminder of the gospel, a reminder of how things are to be, to a reminder of how things are in Christ when we seek Him first, that no pain but joy That not hardship, but blessing. And that doesn't mean this life will be perfect, but that we will find that in Christ. Quickly, I'm going to pick up next week right here in Isaiah 56, but I just want to read the first couple of verses, the first verse. Verse 1 says, "'Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness be revealed.'" He circles back again. I want you to see that what Isaiah is telling the people isn't this one off thing. We find it from verse 1 to verse 50, I mean, to chapter 1, to chapter all throughout those chapters, to chapter 55, again, in chapter 56. It's a repeated commentary on culture by God to see, keep justice and do righteousness. When you hear that, hear this. Righteousness is how we relate to God, how we honor God. Justice is how we honor one another. They aren't separated. Just like Jesus said, when asked, what are the greatest commands? Jesus, and I know they really were trying to trip him up, and his answer is, his answer has rung out through history love God, love one another. That you can't separate those two. That the first four commandments of the ten all talk about our worship to God, and the last six all look at our responsibility and our relationships with our neighbor, those around us. So here, our message today, I'll give you a note and then two verses. Christians, we are to love God and to love our neighbor. There's Luke, if you want to look that up. Our neighbors might look like us or they might not. They could be cops or criminals. Our, and by the way, not suggesting anybody in this case who died was a criminal. I'm just saying, man, it doesn't matter where people are on the spectrum. They could be black, white, purple, pink. I don't care. They could be cops or criminals. I don't. God is calling us to be different. So our neighbors might look like us or not. They might be cops or criminals. Our job doesn't change. That doesn't mean we condone sin or crime. It means our job doesn't change. We live differently. We are repeatedly called to seek justice and righteousness. We are repeatedly called to a responsibility to the human beings around us in the world we live in. And we are called to a responsibility to the God who created us and saved us and sustains us. We are called to both, not one or the other. Today, churches hive off into these two categories. One really worry about honoring God, and the others really worry about honoring culture. We are called to love God, love one another, not separate those two. I want to give you two verses I'm going to close with, one out of Peter and one out of Romans. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Do not repay evil for evil. I don't care which side of the aisle. I don't care which position you're coming from. Do not repay evil for evil. We don't repay evil for evil. In fact, God is our judge. God is our vindicator. We bless. It says, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Let us be blessed because we're a blessing to others. Because we, we, because we love. Because we treat people differently than others do. And finally, Romans 12, do not be overcome by evil. But overcome evil with good. Overcome racism with good. Overcome violence with peace. Overcome evil with good. No matter where you are on the landscape, and I would suggest that's half our problem. Overcome evil with good. Your language should be good, not evil. Your posts on social media should be good, not evil. Your protests should be good, not evil. Your law keepers, your peace officers should be good, not evil. And your systems and your structures and our leaders should be good, not evil. We should overcome evil with good. And I know that's not the world we live in. I know that's not the leaders that we have voted for. I know that all those things are true. They're imperfect. We need to be different. We, you and I, as followers of Jesus, we need to be different. There should be a distinction in how we live and how we act and how we speak so that others can see Jesus through us. And, God willing, let that change the culture and the world that we live in because we have become so distinct that the world begins to follow us. Go read Acts 18, I think, as Paul goes in and plants a church in Ephesus, a deeply cultural, uh, a deeply embedded culture of worship of Artemis and the church's birth there into Ephesus, and so many people begin to follow Jesus that the people who make idols for Artemis go out of business. It causes a riot because they're losing so much. Let us, let us be a people so embedded in Jesus that things in our community change that racism goes away that pornography goes away that drugs and crime that they go away because we have become so different that people want to be different let us not look like everybody else out there let us not speak like everybody else out there let us be different in the name of Jesus let's pray god help us <clears throat> help us cuz our hearts are broken help help us because we're angry Help us because we're often broken, and depressed, and battling illnesses. And, and help us, God. This is the craziest season, Lord. And help us, God. Lord, you have given over so much of the Psalms to, to Psalms of Lament. An entire book of the Bible about Lament. And we forget in America, we don't worship well in the men. We don't seek you in heartbrokenness, in pain very well. We either run from you or we put on a happy face and ignore it. And God, we can't ignore it. We can't ignore the pain and we can't ignore the sin. We can't ignore the violence and we we, we can't ignore the problems. God, let us be different. Sanctify us. Make us more like Jesus. By your grace, let us see our depravity as real. Let us see how wicked in our hearts we are. Let us lose the false idea that we're good people. We're not. We're sinful people. Only by your grace is anything different. Thank you for the spirit that lives inside every believer, transforming us to be like Christ when we're not fighting you. Help us to be different. God, heal our land. Help us to find commonality between those who have given their lives to defending the law and and those right now who feel oppressed by the law, who are oppressed by the law in many, many cases. Help them come together, God, not fight each other. There are so many examples we see in the news right now of some that are trying to do the right things. Let that be us. Let us help that and let us no longer be blind to the problems on either side. Violence against any racial community is wrong. And violence against others that are police officers or firefighters or first responders, all the people we've been seeing, it's wrong. It's all wrong, Lord. Our world is broken. Help us be redeemers of the world that we live in. Let us look like Jesus. Let us love you better, Lord and let us bring justice to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: His mercy.
1: I King of Heaven, my treasure, Thou art. O oh, God, be my everything. O oh, God, be my everything. Be my delight. Be Jesus, my glory, my soul satisfied. Oh God. be
2: Church, let us never leave even a hard or a harsh passage or a hard or a challenging message, one that reveals our sin, one that shows us that we have a long way to go. Let let us never leave a message like that without the hope of the gospel. That we know that in Christ it is being restored, that in Christ we are being drawn near. That as we see our sin, we have the opportunity to confess our sin to God, to, to move closer to God through the power of the gospel, through the work of the Spirit. That it is never leaving us in just that dark place of despair or hopelessness, but the gospel is hope. God bookends that passage with, Come to me, everyone who is in need. And then on the end, "And I will take away the briar and I will give the cypress. I will take away the hardship and I will give the beauty and provision. God always reminds us that it is good in Christ, that it is okay, that it is being restored and redeemed in Christ. So, what do we do if we have just found ourselves in a place in this, this time, in this season, the, the world that we live in right now, if we just find ourselves in a place of lament? I mentioned Psalm 51 earlier. It's actually Psalm 30, uh, 139 that I quoted. Search me and know me. Uh, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. That's the very end of Psalm 139. If you would be so bold as to pray that prayer, read all of Psalm 139. But that, that end of Search me and know me. See what is wrong inside me. Show me, lead me. That's a bold prayer. Allow us to find where we're wrong, that we might be changed. Psalm 51 is what I said, and that's also su- just so good. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgression. Wash transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me of my sin. It goes on and goes on. All of S- Psalm 51 is this beautiful confession and, and searching and cleansing by God. But it changes at verse 13. After, cast me not away from your presence, take not away your Holy Spirit, in verse 11. 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Verse 13, it transitions, says, then, then, when you have forgiven me, when I have confessed my sin, when I have returned to you, then, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to me, to you. Deliver me, God, from my guilt. It goes on. But it reminds us that when we're repentant, when we are transformed, when we seek God with with an open heart, willing to figure out where it is we've gone wrong, it's on the other side of that forgiveness that God can use us in our transparency, even in our brokenness. God will lead us, use us to lead others to him. Generations Church, if you are here and you're live streaming with us today and you have a prayer request, you have something going on, please, use the app, use the check-in, give us the prayer request, message us on Facebook, or, or check in on Facebook, post it there, message it privately, whatever, let us pray with you. If you have something you're wrestling through, like God is revealing us to you, and you don't know where to go with it, let us know. I promise we will follow up with you. If you're joining us today for the first time, please let us know you're here. If you're interested, we'd love to send you that gift, that book. Let it be a blessing to you. Let it cause you to see God more clearly and for all of us may we lay ourselves down may we lay down anything that would get in the way may we run towards Jesus may we, see, may, we see, may we be so different that the world around us would just ask why we're different and then we would have that opportunity to point people to Jesus and not to ourselves Generations Church I love you in this hard season in this heartbreaking season our job as the church to cling to one another, be transformed, and lead others to the same hope that we have. God bless you this week.
1: Oh God, be my everything, be my delight, be Jesus my glory, my soul fire oh God So fine High King of Heaven, my high victory won. May I reach heaven's joy, bright heaven's sun, heart of. I do.